to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Howdy, friends. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Today, I want to discuss something near and dear to my heart, dove hunting in Texas. Dove hunting season opens every year on September 1st. It doesn't matter if it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. The season always opens on September 1st, which as I tape this podcast is tomorrow. Dove season is one of the fall rituals of being a Texan. First, it's the opening of the new season for all hunting and fishing. Our hunting and fishing licenses, or as they are known, the Super Combo, run between September 1st, 2020 and August 31. That means you get to go to stand in line at Academy or your favorite sporting goods store and purchase a license. If you're new to this, good luck. Chances are the clerk knows less about hunting licenses than you do. In the old days, it was done manually with everyone filling out a book like a church bazaar raffle ticket. You have to show your driver's license to prove who you are and that you are who you say you are and that you live where you say you live. I mean, we don't just give out hunting licenses like candy here in Texas. Once you've done that, you proceed to answer a bunch of questions. How many birds did you shoot last year? Where did you hunt? Did you shoot any turkeys? It's endless. But the reason I like it is that you're answering the questions. As you're answering the questions, you can't help but reminisce about last year's hunting and fishing and how great it was. It also gets you excited about this year. Will it be better or worse? Did we get the rain at the right time? What are the limits, day and in position? What's a coot? White wing or morning dove? When does south zone start? Can we shoot ringneck doves? It's all part of the Texan experience of being a hunter in Texas. Once you do all that, it's time to buy shells. This is always exciting. Due to the recent unrest in our country, finding ammunition is like finding a needle in a haystack. Of course, we shoot lead not steel, but the manufacturers do a great job not highlighting the difference in the packaging. There are two ways to figure out which is which. One, look at the box for a long, long time until you figure it out. Or two, take it to the counter, and when they charge you $20 per box of shotgun shells, that means you grab the steel instead of the lead. God forbid you grab bismuth, which is a whole other situation. You'll also need bug spray, suntan lotion, sunglasses, rubber boots, or snake boots. Some guys even hunt in tennis shoes. Whatever makes you comfortable. My dear friend and hunting buddy, Paul, I'm not going to share his last name, Cerrone, to protect the innocent, was wearing cowboy boots. He stepped in a hole on the first hunt, blew his ankle out, and had to be in a walking boot for three months. I'm telling you, this dove hunting is not for the faint of heart. Then you'll need a stool. Now, the people that make stools have obviously never hunted. They make fold-up stools with a pouch, which no one knows what you put in the pouch, but they all seem to have one. Now, the stool will support about a 120-pound man before it collapses. And since I weigh 260, and all my friends do too, it's always fun to see the first stool go down each year. Those of us that are veterans of the sport now know to use buckets. The bucket has evolved over the years. It started as a five-pound paint bucket. Then someone decided to put padding on the top. Then someone decided to make the top spin. Then someone decided to put styrofoam in it and turn it into a cooler. What was so simple has become a spinning seat of fun 
while sitting in 100-degree weather. By the way, it's hot on September 1st, like August hot, except one day later. You also need a camo hat and a camo shirt, and most folks hunt in shorts because, did I mention it's pretty damn hot? So now you're ready. License, gun, ammo, bucket, shirts, glasses, sunscreen, bug spray, and cleaning scissors. If you don't bring scissors to clean your dove, you will shoot your limit. If you do bring cleaning scissors, you won't shoot a single dove. And you have a couple of choices. You can shoot in the morning or in the afternoon, or both if you don't get your limit. Typically, the limit is 15 per day, also 30 in possession. That means if the game warden comes by on the first day, you better only have 15. If you have more than that, you'll be fined. The morning hunt is always the most interesting for me. The clouds are there. There's some fog on occasion. And you get a chance to see a beautiful Texas sunrise. It's hot. The mosquitoes are out. And, of course, you actually never know if you're going to see any doves. This is where the term, you should have been here yesterday, came from. Every dove hunt has a guide. He doesn't actually guide. There is no guiding. His real job is to scout the fields in an area and work with the landowner to secure the rights. He then resells the rights to hunt to a larger group. I've seen as few as 10 and as many as 100 hunters in the field, but more on that later. Typically, the guide will charge between $100 and $200 per gun, also known as per person. So he makes his money back before the first trigger is pulled. He spreads you around the field, and this is where the real gamesmanship begins. Some like to be in the corner. Some like the sides. Some want to be under the trees. Some want to be under the electric wires. And some actually want to get in the middle of the field. Years ago, I was with my dear friend Dr. Brent King and our sons dove hunting near Abilene. Abilene is a long way from Houston, but he knew the guide, and so off we went. This was the first time I'd hunted in a field with 100 people, and I can tell you it was the last. As we spread out, it became apparent to me that gun safety was not a high priority among our fellow sportsmen. Drinking alcohol seemed to be much more high on the list of important things to do. Our sons, fearless and in their early teens, said, Hey, can we go in the middle of the field? Of course, being Texas dads, we said that doesn't sound like a great idea. Remember, there were 96 people around this field that we don't know, and our boys want to go in the middle. As you think about this, think about the killing fields of Laos or Cambodia. Of course, the boys promised to, quote, stay down, and off they went. As the hunt progressed, it became apparent to Dr. King and I that this was not as wholesome an outing as we had hoped. There was lots of drinking, cussing, and the off shouted, It's on! It's on! Despite being a few hours from Arkansas, I felt like we were in the touring production of Deliverance. Did I mention my friend Brent is an emergency room physician? He is one of the most highly trained emergency room physicians in the country and has literally trained hundreds of doctors around the country. So while I'm mildly concerned on this hunt, the good news, as I'm thinking about it, is that if anyone gets hurt, we at least have a physician in our midst. As this SHIT show continued, I was worried about the boys. I looked to Brent to share my concern and I saw blood trickling down his face. Yes, my friend, the emergency room physician, had been hit by a shotgun pellet. 
Needless to say, other than having a mild fetish for nurses, I really know nothing about medicine or wound care. Fortunately, the pellet did not embed, and the bleeding came to halt in a short order. But with the bleeding came the realization that we were in the wrong field, the wrong county, and the wrong group. Needless to say, the Bashaws and the Kings beat a hasty retreat. I tell this story as both a cautionary tale and a reminder that dove season is always exciting. I've been shot by my friend Rob, and I've shot my friend Dennis. Not in anger, but because dove hunting is a hand-to-hand combat sport. Shooting glasses, or eye protection, are probably the most important accoutrement to have in the field. Dove are basically small birds that fly at supersonic speed. They are typically what we refer to as local birds. That means they're from around the area. But everyone is always praying for the ever-missing cool front to bring more birds in. Dove love to feed on grain, which is why most of the hunting is done in agricultural areas with a lot of grain. Milo, corn, you name it, in the area. And everyone is aiming at these little guys, and the shot flies to the other side of the field and often hits an unsuspecting fellow sportsman. Long sleeve shirts are often de rigueur. So the bird is flying at what seems like Mach 2. You are trying to shoot a shotgun that shoots pellets at roughly 1,600 feet per second, and all for the joy of hoping to shoot 15 of these little suckers in a day. But here's the real 411 as a hunter. I only hunt when I can eat. It's why I don't hunt geese or squirrels or rabbits. But I do hunt doves and ducks, teal, which are a smaller duck, and quail. I'll eat deer meat, but I won't hunt them. I haven't found it to be a sport I enjoy. And as the comedian Ron White says, you have to get up really early, it's really cold, and all your problems start when you actually shoot one. In truth, I've run out of friends who I can get to clean my deer for me. So let's talk about the after-shooting experience when the hunt's over. First, everyone gets together and starts drinking ice-cold beer. That is the best part of dove hunting. Lots of tales of shots missed and shots made. Lots of stories of Mexico and Argentina and the old days. Everyone cleans their birds typically around what's known as a tank. Tank is a Texan word for a water trough used by cattle, or it could be a pond. The dove are breasted. There is no meat on the legs or wings when you're cleaning doves. So you breast them, and you put them in a Ziploc bag. For about half the doves shot in Texas, this plastic bag becomes their final resting place in the hunter's freezer. It will sit there for one to three years, gathering freezer burn, unless a hurricane comes and the hunter's house loses power, and then it's discarded with the rest of the food in the refrigerator. If you actually decide to eat the dove, it's best to eat them fresh. This is where the fun begins. Ask anyone who has ever shot dove in Texas, and they will most assuredly give you the same answer. It usually comes with a feigned Texas accent and goes something like this. Well, what I do, and they give you a conspiratorial look like this is a national intelligence briefing, and the info they're about to impart is top secret. What I do is I breast them. Then what I do is I put a piece of jalapeno finely sliced in the breastplate with some cream cheese. Are you following me? They will ask, as though this is from the Cordon Bleu cooking school in Paris, France. Then... I wrap the dove with a piece of bacon, and I hold it together with a toothpick. Now, this is the important part. Don't use 
a plastic toothpick. Use a wooden one. Now, the novice would ask, does the wood help the flavor? No. It's because the plastic ones melt when you grill the dove over an open fire. Now, I've had the great fortune to hunt doves for the last 40 years in and around Texas. I have never been on a hunt where these pearls of dove preparation wisdom were imparted. Usually it's on the back tailgate of a pickup or by the campfire. Further, I've actually never been to a dove hunt where anyone offered any different way to prepare dove, ever. Now here's the funny part. Dove really don't taste that good. The real trick after you grill them is to throw away the dove and eat the bacon, the jalapeno, and the cream cheese. As you can tell, dove hunting isn't about the dove. We aren't mad at the dove. They aren't a culinary experience. It's just something we do in Texas. It's a time-honored tradition. Cattle, oil and gas, real estate, financial services, banking, all of these businesses are conducted on the auspices of Texas hunting. If you don't hunt, you better find another way to make a living in Texas. Don't believe me? Drive by a Bucky's at 5.30 in the morning on the opening of day of dove or teal or duck season. You will see the largest militia ever assembled, all driving suburbans, pickups, expeditions, and usually pulling a trailer with a four-wheeler attached and a kennel in the back with their favorite retriever. It's the reason we've never had a war on our shores except the Civil War. Any country would be a fool to come to Texas and try to take us over. They'd have one hell of a fight. And the dogs. The dogs are always named the same. There's a Sarge, Shooter, there's a Bow, Goose, there's a Patches, and there might even be a Calvin in the mix. Everybody's got their favorite hunting dog and their favorite hunting dog story. They are Labradors, Pointers, Retrievers, Cocker Spaniels, Boykins, because the only thing a Texan loves more than hunting is to be talking about hunting, or his dog, or his guns, or his hunting lease, followed quickly by his wife and kids. In Texas, hunting is being a Texan. We come from a long line of hardy forefathers who worked the land and lived off of it. One of my favorite lines in the TV show Yellowstone is when John Dutton says, this is America. We don't share land. Of course, from an ownership standpoint, he's right. We enjoy private ownership. But there is nothing better than sharing a day in the field on a friend's land hunting. My dad died when I was seven, so I never got to hunt with him. And it's something I sorely missed and didn't even know it. As I became older, I was introduced to it and loved it. I don't love the kills. I love the camaraderie. I was once asked by a friend who lived on the Upper East Side of New York City in Manhattan what I loved about quail hunting. Now, you can read my description of her into however you want to, but imagine, and you can guess, this was not a question asked to elicit a warm repertoire. She was anti-gun, anti-hunting, maybe even anti-me. But truthfully, we were just raised differently. I don't know much about Pia de Terres, and she doesn't know much about hunting in South Texas particularly quail hunting in Falfurious. So I replied, Well, do you know the difference between the sound of a covey of quail flushing and a rattler about to strike you? She replied, No, I don't. I smiled and said, Yeah, I don't either. You see, that's what makes being in the outdoors so fun. You never know what's going to happen. And I've come across those 
no shoulder troublemakers in my lifetime, and they are scary as hell. Finally, I've hunted and fished with my children since they were five years old. First, they came as observers, then a novice, then a hunter, and now we're equals, although I would argue they're better shots and fishermen than I will ever be. We've hunted together on three continents. Now, their friends hunt with them, and I hunt with their friends' parents. You see, it's a way of life here in Texas. We have a bumper sticker that speaks to that very thing. The bumper sticker says this, You have two choices in life. You can hunt with your children when they are young, or you can hunt for your children when they get older. So as the clock turns to September 1st, I wish you and yours a safe and happy hunting season for 2020. Life is short, and we should all hope to spend more time in the field or stream. Remember that yesterday is a memory, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. I'm Jeb Bashaw, and this is the Texans' View of the World.